Welcome to the Revenue Engine Podcast. I'm your host, Rosalind Santa Elena, and I am thrilled to bring you the most inspirational stories from revenue generators, innovators, and disruptors, revenue leaders in sales, in marketing, and of course, in operations. Together, we will unpack everything that optimizes and powers the revenue engine. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Have you heard that saying, get into the groove? Well, that's kind of how the name groove came about for Chris Rothstein. If you're a seller, you probably want to be in the groove and running your revenue process effortlessly and seamlessly with a great rhythm and no wasted steps or missed beats. Chris is the CEO and co-founder of Groove, a full cycle sales engagement platform for enterprises. So what is sales engagement? How has it evolved? And where is it going? In our discussion, Chris shares his perspective on this and much more, including some great advice about starting a business. If you're starting something, focus on problems that matter to you and things that you value and you're passionate about. So take a listen to this sales manager turned CEO and co-founder. And as always, Listen till the end where Chris shares something that others would be surprised to know about him. And you'll all be searching the internet to find out more. Trust me. Excited to be here today with Chris Rostein, the co-founder and CEO of Groove. Groove is the leading sales engagement platform for enterprises using Salesforce. Groove is built not only for early funnel prospecting, but for full cycle sellers by helping to automate non-sales activities so that pre- and post-sales reps can spend more time building relationships and generating revenue. Welcome, Chris, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much for having me today. Great. So let's start by talking a little bit about your journey prior to Groove. You spent a little bit of time doing some various intern work related to systems, security, and planning, and you also spent five years at Google in sales management. So can you share a little about your career journey, you know, maybe prior to Groove, you know, maybe what your experience was like at Google and maybe how that experience helped shape your vision for Groove, if at all? Yeah, for sure. So I'll start a little earlier, which is, uh, you know, I grew up in Minnesota and in, in literally farmland. Like <laughs> my town had uh, 300 people. Most people were in kind of farming. My dad actually owned a tractor dealership. <laughs> and so it was a very, very different life. So I got, I got into tech a little later. Um, but I had always loved building companies and helping companies and just you know, selling and in, in, in every part of how do you make a, a business successful and valuable that it provides services that are helpful for people. So I started doing that really, really early. Um, and then after school, um, I ended up going to Google, as you mentioned, and that was when I uh, came out to California for the first time. And I saw Google and I said, okay, I'm going to go there. I got lucky, got in. And then I was lucky enough to be one of the first people in, in Google Cloud or what is now called Google cloud um, and built up a bunch of sales teams there and that that's really what shaped um, you know the vision for Groove is that experience uh, of seeing a sales team like Google what they're doing where the areas are you know where maybe someone could innovate and, and create technologies to help a team like that and and that really kind of started shaping what ended up becoming Groove. 
So when you and your co-founders decided to start Groove, like, was there like an aha moment? You know, what was, what was sort of your initial goal or vision for the company? Yeah, there wasn't necessarily an aha moment. It was more this ongoing feeling that there must be a better way. And, and really it came down to, I had this amazing team, just really, really good people. We at Google, um, you know, we had large enough budgets to buy technology so we could buy what we needed. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, when I looked at what my team was doing, it really didn't feel like they were kind of hitting, you know, their maximum potential. And I, I felt, I just kept feeling there must be a better way. And then we started building technologies internally to help our mm -hmm. teams. And that's when you could start to see some progress. And, and I thought, okay, this, someone needs to really focus on this. There's so many interesting problems. Um, how, how can we tackle those and, and provide real value to do two things? One is make a sales team more effective overall, which is great for companies because every company needs to, you know, drive revenue so that they can invest in R&D and provide more value for consumers and customers. Um, and the second is make the job more um, enjoyable because I saw so many things that were um, kind of draining people that could be eliminated. So that, that's why the, the Groove name, you know, when I when it comes to the uh, the vision that you mentioned, we really, our original vision was how do we remove all these blockers so a sales rep and an organization can operate at, at peak performance. And we, we love the concept of flow, my co-founder and mm -hmm. I, um, the psychology concept where you're, you're in the zone and, you know, it, it, time is flying by because you're enjoying it and you're, you're, you're operating in a level that's very effective. Um, and we just went with an informal version of that. You're in the groove. Um, and that's, that's kind of been the, the process uh, and, and the focus of the company since the beginning. How can we remove all these items even more so than necessarily enhancing? How can we remove all these blockers so people can have more enjoyable day and, and revenue organizations can be more effective? Got it. So, I mean, there's a number of, you know, great solutions that market themselves as sales engagement. Right. In fact, the category, I think, continues to develop and mature, especially as the needs of sellers have changed. What have you seen, you know, it's been like six, almost seven years, like what have you seen in the market in terms of trends and how have you seen it sort of evolve and maybe where do you see it going? Yeah, yeah, it's changed a lot. And we, we took a different path than maybe the the completely normal Silicon Valley path. We bootstrapped for a while and we really focused on how do we make sure that this is valuable enough for customers and we sold very early to, to customers. The, the things that we saw that I think are interesting over time, one is I do think there's this move from point solutions to platforms mm -hmm. and that's fairly common. I think it goes in waves, but at the way beginning, there was a solution for email tracking, a solution for logging, a solution for sales campaigns, similar to what you saw in marketing automation or other categories where there was many, many point solutions. And then after a while, they start to bundle together. And then, you know, that becomes the dominant trend for some time. And then if you look at some older markets, sometimes then they're, you know, point solutions again, years later, and <laughs> the cycle repeats itself. I feel like the current trend is more point solutions moving to platforms. And um, you would know better than me, but there is some element of buyer mm -hmm. fatigue, I think, on the RevOps side, where there's just so many products. And it's, it's so many integration points and and that can cause problems as an organization becomes very large and complex so I, I do think that's one thing that's interesting i think the other part that i'm excited about more than anything is customer expectations are 
kind of accelerating, I would say. Um, you know, the beginning was going from zero to one of solving a problem in a lot of ways. But now we're really moving into how do you truly solve the problem for every customer's unique workflow, which it just keeps getting deeper. And then they see some success and then they want to go deeper. And an example of that is like, you know, now so many companies are A-B testing messaging and, and kind of every time they're pushing it one, one level further. Um, and I, I think you'll, you'll continue to see trends like that. The space is getting very deep, which is um, it's really nice because I think it's providing more and more value for customers. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love how you touched on sort of the ops perspective, because definitely one of the things that I'm always looking for is to consolidate, right, tech stack and looking at solutions that are going to meet, yeah. you know, multiple use cases and solve multiple problems or, or challenges versus, like you said, having one, one piece of tech for each use case and for each issue, yeah. because that means another piece of tech that not only we have to pay for from a budget perspective, but we have to resource and be able to administer and drive adoption yeah. and training and ongoing um, administration. Yeah. So definitely completely there with you. Um, one of the things that, you know, you and I were talking about even before the recording is, you know, many of the engagement offerings are really focused on top of funnel, right? Prospecting activity primarily for SDRs and maybe for some AEs who um, do a lot of their own pipeline generation. You know, I believe Groove really focuses more on the full sales cycle. So can you share a little bit about your vision here and maybe how has that product differentiation um, really helped in accelerating, you know, your revenue growth and expanding your customer base? Yeah, yeah, this is an area we've been different from the beginning and and just to give, you know, some some kind of background data on that. Today as a as a sales engagement platform, 20% of our users are SDRs. Mm -hmm. That's very abnormal for kind of compared to our competitors. Mm -hmm. We do have, you know, SDRs using it. We typically deploy to an entire organization, the entire revenue lifecycle from SDR, AEs, CSMs, AMs, or or we 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 deploy in a bunch of traditional organizations where they're full cycle reps. Um, but our goal from the beginning was uh, how do we help an organization really close business and expand these relationships? Like the kind of ultimately the lifeblood of, of generating, you know, revenue. How do we help in, in that part of the cycle? And that was really the focus. Whereas the sales engagement um, platform area really started to become known as an SDR tool in a lot of ways. And in my goal and, and what I hope we can contribute to the space is to, to pushing it to make sure that it's focused on the other parts of the life cycle because I do think that that's very important. I think the future of sales engagement needs to come more from the revenue needs to come more from, you know, traditional organizations, full cycle reps and so on, because the, the facts of the matter are the majority of revenue today in our space comes from tech companies. Mm -hmm. And we've been focused on bringing in big banks and, and other organizations that are more traditional, but the workflows are more complex and slightly different. They're not as, um, formulaic as maybe an SDR workflow in some ways. So that's what we've really focused on from the beginning. And, and that's still our vision is how, how can we make sure that this type of technology can um, be useful for everyone that should and could be in the market. And that's what we're trying to push on, expanding the market. We have awesome competitors. I know, um, you know, some have been on this podcast Um they're doing they're doing a great job pushing things forward, and I think it's in everyone's best interest that we we try to bring this technology to everyone. Got it, got it. I love that. I think it's really interesting that twenty only twenty percent of your users are SDRs, so that really talks to sort of the platform and kind of your vision. 
Um, one of the yeah. things that, you know, I guess we can never avoid talking about is COVID, right? So I think we've, you know, we've all been impacted <laughs> by COVID, you know, we're in 2021 now, um, you know, but the global pandemic has really, you know, had an impact on everyone, right, from a business perspective, but even, you know, as well as from a personal perspective, um, you know, with sellers and prospects and customers, everyone really working from anywhere, you know, how have you seen this impact the way you do business, if at all? And are there any lessons learned or maybe things that you learned from last year that you're going to be doing differently this year? Yeah, there's a lot here. This is a really fascinating topic. I find it not only as you know, someone that builds sales technology, but just uh, helping lead a company. I think there's going to be some really nice changes that lead to a better overall spot for work, which is awesome. And that's what I'm really focused on internally. How can we create a work environment that's even better than what it was before due to more flexibility and so on? Uh, but when it comes to specifically how sales change, it's funny. We just did a survey around this to about, uh, I think, about 900 or so sales leaders across all different industries. And pretty much uh, the vast majority, I think it was almost 90% said they're not doing in-person meetings. They think until maybe Q4 or probably 2022. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is here to stay for quite a while yet. This has really changed the way a lot of them have worked and and they, they've shifted, you know, to really being remote uh, focused and in you know leading with kind of digital sales to start, um, I think that'll end up in a really nice spot overall. A lot of even very traditional companies have changed, and I think a lot of them have have found okay, we definitely miss some of the old way, mm-hmm. um, you know. And there's some of that being missed, but there's also you know certain things that are going to stick because they they. They're like, oh wow, that that actually saved me a lot of time, and we got to the same result. Um, and and that's where I do think uh, there is going to be kind of this middle. Uh, you know, there's going to be certain things that are learned and 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 will continue to persist, and other things that won't. Um, the the part that I'm most fascinated with um, is just how how do we replicate what an inside sales team used to do when it's more remote? Where you know how do how do teammates learn from each other quickly? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times on these loud sales floors, you you learn through osmosis and kind of being around people and seeing what's working and and through lots of conversation. And that that's harder to replicate, and that's what we're trying to do internally. And as far as you know, less learned and, and looking forward I think that's a lot of the areas how, how do we do more there to to make sure that we're ramping and best practices are uh, you know being distributed among the team members as fast as possible even if we are more and more distributed yeah definitely I think that's probably the thing that most of us miss is being able to sort of turn around and tap someone on the shoulder or ask a question or even just feel the energy right when somebody you know closes a deal or even just books a meeting right with somebody that they've been trying to get after for a while so I definitely think that energy um is something that we all miss. But I also do think, you know, to your point that when we do sort of even as things open up and things start to change the way we do business, you know, it's going to be very different, right? I think there's going to be a lot less of those, you know, golf, golf outings, you know, a lot of less travel, a lot less of those dinners, because we have found that, you know, reps can be productive, right? We can still close deals and drive revenue, even in this sort of remote world. Yeah. Um, so great. Um, so one of the things I wanted to talk about also is, you know, really 
I mean, I know you have like over 50,000 sales reps, right? Using Groove. And I'm sure that number is probably even bigger as we're, as we're talking. Yeah, sure. But, you know, these are some of the largest and fastest growing companies, right? You've got Google and Capital One and Uber, Workfront, and, you know, my favorite, Sendoso, <laughs> um, you know, as part of your customer portfolio. And, you know, in fact, Groove has topped the list, right, for highest rated sales engagement software product based upon user satisfaction right on G2. And I think G2 is just such a great recognition because it's re it represents the view of the customer. Yeah. So kind of thinking about that, you know, what is your philosophy around, you know, driving customer success and customer value? And how do you see sort of how that has fit into your sort of your revenue acceleration? Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess to start off, I, I fully agree. I, I'm a massive fan of G2 because it, it's such a nice way for, you know, for us as a company to say, you know what, we're going to focus on just making our customers happy. And, you know, that can work out even if we spend less on certain parts of marketing or whatever. Um, so that that's why I do think, you know, we've always been a fan of G2. Um, but the 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 reason kind of we, we've gotten to where we are in a bunch of ways is this is core to what we are as a company. We have three core values. The one I care most about, we call it care mm -hmm. more. <laughs> that's that's literally it. And in, in the, it comes back to this feeling of, you know, uh, many companies say they're customer centric, but that's just not the case when, when you get in a difficult decision and they have to lose money on something or whatever it may mm -hmm. be. Um, and that's the part where I think we've strived as a company. We've truly gone above and beyond. And we I push everyone to, to do that at at all times. I, I've been on so many calls with customers where I'm helping them with a, you know, a deep Salesforce workflow <laughs> or something that's uneven, you know, unrelated to Groove. But I just know I can see their situation. <laughs> I'm like, you can solve this without our technology or another one. You just got to do this. And I've seen this before and, and so on. And I think that, you know, that's just the way we should operate as a company. We should be true partners rather than see this as this vendor transactional relationship. And I think uh, long term, that's the way to, to build a company. So that's what we focused on in every part. You know, even the small things like we from day one, we've never had, you know, traditional email support. From day one, I was like, we need to be very fast. So we started with only chat mm -hmm. support and it was um five-minute median response time. Um, and this was with, when we were still a small team because when, you know, you know as a, a RevOps leader, when things are not working, you need a solution. You need to figure out how to get to the bottom of something. And I, I do think this has contributed to, to our growth because it, it leads to kind of, you know, multiple purchases when people switch companies and, That's and so right. on. Yeah, those are your biggest champions, right? Your, your former customers, especially for operations and even for sales leaders, right? When they leave a company, they go to a new one, the first thing they want is the, you know, the tech that has worked for them in the past and sort of that partnership, as you said, yeah. you know, less of as a vendor, but really having that great customer, you know, experience and, you know, you're not only you tell your friends and tell everybody in your network, but you also want that same experience anywhere you go. That's amazing. So, you know, as I think about the revenue engine, right, in this podcast, I always hope that others will be able to really learn how to accelerate revenue growth and power the revenue engine, right? Take away some tips and hopefully be able to go and, um, you know, either change your perspective or actually take some tactical advice and be able to go implement. Um, so if I look at, you know, from your perspective, like what are some of the key elements that you think have really contributed to the high growth that Groove has experienced? 
Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down. I have one philosophy around, uh, you know, all the great returns come from compounding, you know, uh, and and you just need to focus on things long mm-hmm. enough. And and I think this is a, just a common thought that we have or philosophy in our company where, you know, just as an example, I think for you to truly provide value to customers, you have to go deep enough to understand those problems. And yes, you you could definitely get to a solution quickly that is obvious and probably helps a little bit. But you realize every company is so complex and people don't act rationally (laughs) and and systems break all the time. And, And there's many things that are not uh, that need to be factored in if you truly want to deliver value in the real world and not this you know hypothetical perfect world and i think that's a key thing to remember and whether it be your 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 go to market plan and hey they're not you know this message isn't resonating well go talk to them and go deeper because you know it doesn't it makes sense logically but that doesn't mean anything really you know and i think it's having this outside in kind of mindset or, you know, looking to the outside mm-hmm. first. And um, I think that that's important and everything you do and then go deep enough and just keep asking questions to, to figure out if you truly understand the problem. Cause most of the time I find it, it's really hard to get to that level. Cause you, you just got to be very persistent. Got it. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. What about, are there things that maybe you wish you knew earlier or maybe things that you might do differently if you could go back and do it all over again? Yeah, there's a lot, you know, <laughs> whenever you're building something, I think uh, you're constantly learning at a rate that's insane. If I if I had to pick one specific thing that I think would I would do differently uh, for sure would be I would have built out my executive team earlier um, and and really focused on the team absolutely first. And, and at the end of the day, you realize your impact is determined by your team and focusing on this. At, a, at the at the absolute beginning point would have been great. I, since we bootstrapped and we were very lean at the beginning, we did this a little later, I would say. We built this really awesome team, but we didn't really build out our executive team until later. I would have done that mm-hmm. and, and just made sure that also even your culture, just making sure those first 10 people are just, you know, absolutely the culture you want to build because the, the people built the culture ultimately. That's great. That's great advice. Definitely. I think it, there's always that balance, right? When you're first starting out around cost and sort of what you need for your team. And probably as a co-founder, you're like, oh, I can, I can take care of this myself and I can cover that and try to save, save some dollars. But yeah, those first couple of hires is really, really critical. Yeah. What about, is there, you know, aside from that, is there one piece of advice that you would give maybe to another CEO or founder? Like, what is that one thing, you know, that has made all the difference? And maybe it is part of part of that is building out that executive team early. But is there something else that you say, hey, this is the one thing that I, you know, I really did right that has really made a big difference? Yeah, I think um, so. If you have the right team, they're going to help solve all the right problems. The second part of that is are you for surely focused on the absolute most important area of opportunity? And I think a common mistake that I see and I have the tendency and I think everyone does is you build this list because you have infinite number of problems or opportunity areas. And almost always you focus on area four or five and six or whatever, because you have clear line of sight to a solution for those. And you're like, I'll knock them out. It's easier. I'm more comfortable there. Um, And you don't really ever knock out the first one. 
And that's because it's the hardest by far. And I think what we've done as a company, and I think um, what has been very helpful is just saying, okay, what is the, if we, if we have to stack rank all the most important areas of opportunity or problems, what's absolutely number one? And then not even allowing us to look at number two or three very much and just focusing all in on, on that one. And I think um, that has been really impactful because then you get your, you know, your great executive team and everything to focus on it and people come with group solutions, but you you really have to unlock these key bottlenecks. Otherwise, I think you you just are stuck in this kind of incremental, it's really hard to change. Mm, that's really good. That's really good feedback. I think whenever we're trying to prioritize, we're always looking at things that are sort of low-hanging fruit, right? Things that are, like you said, easy yeah. to get done. But if we don't focus on the big things too and make time for that, you'll never get to them. Yeah. Very cool. Because it's really easy to use up all your time <laughs> on the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, well, thank you so much for joining me, uh, Chris. But as we wrap up and before I let you go, I always love to know two things. So two things about you is one, what is the one thing about Chris that others would be surprised to learn? And two, what is the one thing that you want everyone to know about you? Um, I'm not surprised to learn. <laughs> I'll, tell, uh, I'll try to make this useful <laughs> for people. Um, I won't go into a lot of details because this one's a little out there, but um, I, my co-founder and I, um, before Groove, created a product because we, we just love to build stuff. And we created it a, basically an infomercial-like product just to understand how hard it would be to build a, a physical product and understand supply chains and so uh -huh. on. And it, it, it just went crazy <laughs> viral and it was on it was on the today show on the front page of reddit and all of this stuff and um the reason i bring that up is because even though that that product went very very uh insane um we we never really still focused on it because we just weren't passionate about it and you know for me i think you do have to especially if you're starting something focus on problems that you think are you know meaningful and and bring value to people's lives at least that's what i found for myself so even though there there was some level of you know commercial success and so on it, it just it didn't matter. And I think that's something just for people, especially people thinking about, you know, what they're working on or if they want to start a company. Uh, I think that was a good lesson. Um, on the, you know, one thing everyone should know, I, you know, I, I'm a fairly simple person, so I don't think there's anything anyone really needs to know about <laughs> me. But I do think um, there, there's maybe a lesson in that, which is, you know, every, it doesn't matter if any CEO, founder, um, executive, we're all just normal people, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> learning, uh, making progress, the normal struggles of life. And um, I think there is, tends to be this, um, you know, this kind of feeling like imposter syndrome, everyone has it and, and so on. And like ever, everyone, I'm sure there are some rare exceptions, maybe Elon Musk <laughs> or someone that feels like they're not even human, but um, pretty much everyone else, you know, is just normal people trying to get better. So just work towards whatever goals make sense for you. And, and if you if you focus on it long enough, I think you'll be surprised at the progress you can oh, make. I love that. And now I think everybody, everyone listening to this is probably going to Google your name and try to find out what product that was <laughs> on that infomercial. I know I'm going to. That's going to be the first thing I do when we wrap up because <laughs> now you've got me curious. Thank you so much again for joining me, Chris. You know, it's really been a pleasure to obviously catch up with you. It's been a while since you and I have chatted and, and I'm so incredibly grateful for your time and just for sharing your story and your perspective with us. Awesome. Thank you for having me and I enjoyed the conversation.